there's a scripture also you might want to write down John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. I think it's right around verse 11, where the Bible says, To all who believed on his name, he gave power, or authority is actually the word in the Greek, to become sons and daughters, children of the living God. And so we know that there's this entry point into this thing that's called the faith, where uh, we all just start out babies. And then, as we experience the love of God, and we experience His faithfulness, that we begin to hear this invitation. Uh, it's kind of like the invitation of heaven, come up higher, uh, come in deeper. Um, don't just receive the, the benefits of salvation, but there's an invitation to take up our cross and to be wholehearted and to follow him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's interesting that this, this community of believers that you are, uh, that I'm you know, kind of a, a guest with you today, uh, you have the same emphasis in your faith that we have back home. And it's, it's something that makes you unique. Uh, among churches, you know, every every little family of believers has some unique things about them, right? And that's good, and that's okay. Um, one of the things that makes us unique up in Maine is we have a philosophy, if you will, of ministry that says we don't want to be satisfied with just being babies in Christ. We want to grow in grace to the point where we want to be a people that not only are being discipled ourselves, but are discipling others and sending them to the nations. So our philosophy of ministry is disciple and send. And I really think that's kind of the hope of the Lord for you as a congregation, because just your name itself, heart and soul, is a reference to the scripture where Jesus calls us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's really the heart of a disciple. You know, there are plenty of believers in Jesus who they're, they're not interested in giving it all. What, what won them is the promise of not going to hell and getting into heaven. And they're happy with that, and they're satisfied with that. And there were multitudes that followed Jesus that had that same perspective. He would come into town, and multitudes would gather. They recognized him and received him as the Messiah, but they also received him because he was giving out free stuff. And then there was that time where Jesus got frustrated with that, and he turned to the disciples, and he, you know, he said some kind of offensive disguised things that were meant to kind of uh, confuse people, to expose their heart as to why they were following him. Were they following him because he was the Messiah and the King and, and they were following after him with all their heart and soul? And no, they weren't. And there was a time one day when 5,000 were sitting on the mountainside getting the free meal, and then he said some things and they all left because he wasn't giving out free stuff anymore. You know, Jesus offers us all these things to demonstrate his goodness. 
But then there's another scripture I'd like you to write down. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. And yes, it's in the Old Testament, but it really speaks of the heart of God toward mankind. That he is kind, he's gracious, he's merciful, he's gentle in all of his ways. Amen. We've all we've all tasted of that. We've tasted and seen the Lord is good. But then there is a time where God said to one of the kings, he says, The eyes of the Lord search over all the earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully his. And that's really the call to the multitude of believers is the call to discipleship. Jesus said to the, to the crowds who had believed on his name, we are not worthy to be his disciples unless we identify ourselves to him as willing to take up our cross and daily follow him. And so I know I'm talking to a group of people who are hungry for God. The very name of this ministry indicates the hunger for discipleship. So I just wanted to talk about discipleship a little bit today. And it's one of those things where God speaks to us from our place of being a believer, and he calls us to a deeper walk with him. Then does that make sense that way? You know, a lot of people, they get married, and you know they have a wedding, and they're really married, but they're satisfied with a shallow relationship. And then you've got other folks who get married, and they say, to each other, I want to know everything about you, and I want to share everything with you, and I want to walk through every difficulty together and come out on the other side, and they go to marriage conferences, and they go to marriage seminars, and they're constantly building their marriage, and they want their marriage stronger. They're not satisfied with a shallow relationship. They want the whole enchilada. Amen? All right. Now, whenever I talk about food, there's always people whose eyes light up. Oh, now I, now I know what you're talking about. The whole enchilada. Yeah. The sauce, the cheese, the whole deal, right? You know, the Mexican music playing in the background. I want, I want the whole marriage enchilada, not just, you know, some fun in the evening and then someone who cooks me breakfast or someone who brings home a paycheck. I don't want a marriage where I'm taking care of someone and they just want to be taken care of. I want to be married to someone who has, they want to know my whole heart, my whole soul, my thoughts, my intentions, my motivations. Doesn't that sound like a better deal than just a shallow relationship? So when we have a shallow relationship, we have a real marriage. It's the real deal. But I want to go deeper. And it's like that with the Lord. And that's the call to discipleship, to go deeper, to love them with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So in our ministry, we came up with this acronym. Do you know what an acronym is? It's where you take the first, the first letter of a number of different words and you make your own new word, right? So uh, like NASA, you know, the, 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 the space people, you know, NASA is an acronym for... National Aeronautic and Space Administration, I think. Yeah, did I do okay? After I said I thought, boy, I hope I get this right. <laughs> or NASCAR, right? You know, what is that? North American Stock Car something? Do you know what it is? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm getting off in deep water here. I'm going to start making stuff up in a minute if I'm not careful. 
Okay, so our acronym for discipleship is, is the name Charlie. And that helps us remember the different aspects of discipleship. Because what happens is we answer the call to discipleship to go deeper in our love walk with Jesus. And he's working on different components in our life, different areas where we need to be strengthened and to go deeper. You don't just go deeper and say, because I'm going to go deeper. Yeah, you got to put on the diving suit. you got to have a mask and you know, a tank and some flippers and some weights to help you down. So we could come up with an acronym for diving that describes all of these pieces of equipment we need. But what we're doing with discipleship, we came up with the word Charlie. So the C in the name Charlie stands for character development. How many of you know we, we come to the Lord just as, just as I am without a plea? Remember the song? And, uh, and then he takes us, and like a diamond in the rough, he begins to fashion us and make us ready for a setting on a crown. So we all come to the Lord like diamonds in the rough, and he begins to work on our lives. So that would be a way of looking at it. Character development is one of the things that the Lord begins to work on. Areas where we used to be liars or thieves or witches or adulterers. I mean, man, I tell you what, if we were to survey the room, if you were to survey my life, you'd find I qualified for a whole lot of that stuff. And the, But the Lord worked that out of my life. I, I entered into this process of character development, working on me, the man on the inside right? Okay, H stands for Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, it's good that I go away because I will send you another comforter who can be with every one of you all the time. Where Jesus was limited, right? You know, we call it a spatial temporal existence. He was limited by space and time to be with everybody. But Holy Spirit's not limited in that way. And so part of our discipleship walk with Jesus is knowing Holy Spirit, knowing, knowing that we are bringing forth the fruits of Holy Spirit in our Christian lives, that we are, we are brought into a relationship with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit working in, his in our lives, He comes in with His gifts, that there are gifts of the Spirit, there's fruits of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has motivations. Uh, the Bible says that he is the paraclete. That, that's a Greek word that means he's our helper. He's our guide. He's our standby. He's our strength. He's our source. So knowing about Holy Spirit and having an active relationship with him is really essential for us to be successful disciples. So C is what? Character. H, Holy Spirit. A is, believe it or not, Hopefully you don't hate school too much. A is academics. The Bible says study to show yourself approved so that you won't be ashamed as a Christian. We, we, we need to read the scripture. Not just read the scripture or memorize it, but we also need to study it. That's, that's an academic pursuit. I need to hide the word in my heart, the Bible says, right? That's academic. I read it. I think about it. I declare. There's a process. Um, if I'm going to understand the word, uh, there's, there's this word, it's kind of a fancy word, it's called hermeneutics. It's a, it's a word that basically means the science of studying the scriptures. And we break it down into the, the most common way of studying the scriptures is HGC, history, grammar, context. Who did Jesus say it to? What was the situation that he said it? 
You know, Jesus isn't saying to all of us, get behind me, Satan. But boy, when Peter popped off with his opinion of whether or not Jesus should go to the cross, man, Jesus sure spoke to him pretty directly. Well, what was the context of that? Well, there was a temptation coming to Jesus through the mouth of one of his disciples to get him off track. And the context is Jesus spoke sharply to it because that needed to be put in its place. It was like spiritual warfare taking place. So Jesus doesn't appear to us in a dream or in a church service and we feel like he says, get behind me, Satan. That, that doesn't even make sense. So in studying the scripture, what did Jesus say? Why did he say it? We have to look at the context, the history, the grammar of these things. That's academic. Part of our discipleship is knowing the scripture. That's academic. So character, Holy Spirit, academics. How many don't like that word normally? I, I would raise my hand. It's like not my favorite word. Uh, R is for relationships. Our relationship with God. Our relationship with each other, right? You know, the guy asked Jesus, what, what is the, what's the you know, first commandment? You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? Soul, mind, strength. And you will love your neighbor as yourself, right? Okay, a lot of what Jesus said was about relationships. And he taught those things primarily to his disciples, how they were to relate to each other. So R is relationships. L is lifestyle. You know, the early Christians, they called what we call Christianity, they used to call it the way. Because there was a way to live that was pleasing to the Lord. And so they would be pulled out of all of their Gentile, heathen, pagan lifestyles, and they'd come into this relationship with the Lord and each other, and they would learn how to live healthy, successful, prosperous, blessed lives. There is a way that seems right to a man, the scripture says, but the end thereof is death. So the Lord wants to teach us how to live lives that where the end is not death, but the end is blessing, an abundant life, a good life. Uh, it's like Psalm 91. You know, that's, that's really a commentary on someone who lives a certain lifestyle with certain values. That I, it, I will bless him with long life and satisfy him, says the Lord, because he has loved me. So I want to have a lifestyle that, that exemplifies the love of the Lord because that's a lifestyle that is a lifestyle of blessing and that the Lord puts his hand of blessing on it. Does that make sense? So discipleship is character development, our relationship with the Holy Spirit, especially, so that's the H, gets its own special place there. A is academic, R is relationship, L is lifestyle, I is intimacy. Now you think about this. The first thing that, that Adam and Eve attempted to do after the fall is they hid themselves and covered themselves. God's coming down in the garden like he always did every day at the end of the day to have intimate, close connection and fellowship with them. Transparent, heart-to-heart, -heart, honest. And what did they do? 
The fallen human condition is to resist intimacy. But I think of intimacy with this kind of picture demonstration. Intimacy is this. Into me see. We want to learn how to walk honestly and face to face with other people. We want to learn how to have a transparent life. The Bible says the eyes are the window to the soul. But how many times do you find someone who comes into a group and they sit there, everyone's having conversations, but they keep their coat, their hat, and even their sunglasses on. That's a problem with that's a person with an intimacy problem. They're busy hiding, masking, not letting anybody in, right? And we all have things that we do that hinder intimacy. Part of discipleship is learning how to be face-to-face -face with each other as believers, but also face-to-face -face with the Lord, because He's our source of life and strength, right? Why would we ever want... You know, you read the story of Adam and Eve in the fall, you go, why in the world did they hide themselves? It's just the fallen nature of man to hide ourselves. But we're not fallen anymore, are we? We've been born again. The Bible says if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things, and here's an interesting word, that, that Greek word, the, the content, the tense, our Bible's translated, old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. But the actual meaning, the, the, the full meaning of each of those words is, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, are passing away, and will continue to pass away. And all things have become new, are becoming new, and will continue to become new. That's why the Bible says the mercies of God are new every morning. We are all a work in progress is what that means, right? We've been born again. There was a regeneration work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have, we have a marriage. We have a relationship. Our hearts have been knit to Him. But He's calling us deeper. We are working on our marriage in Christ, this thing called being born again. We are being, being saved. Does that make sense? Okay, so if I is intimacy, we got that last letter there, the letter E. And this is the one that kind of surprises a lot of folks. Economics. Economics. Um, it's really about our relationship with money and wealth. But we give it its own place because between two-thirds and three-quarters of what Jesus said that is recorded in the Scripture had to do with money, business, or economics. And we got to ask why. And statistically, marriage counselors will tell us the number one reason a marriage fails is because of money problems or disagreements about money. Economics not coming to agreement, not knowing how money works, how we spend our money, whether or not we have any money. Money, 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 money. That is the primary reason relationships fail. And Jesus said, you can't serve both God and mammon, money. It is the primary warring force against our relationship with Christ. The love of Money is the root of all evil. We, we would think, well, the, the love of the world, the love of baloney sandwiches, the love of, you know, jewelry. No, the love of money is the root of all of the earth's evil. 
And so we have to understand how money works. What is its purpose? Some people say, well, if it's to love it is so evil, I don't want any. No, it doesn't say don't have any money, or having money, or being wealthy is the root of all evil. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says when you love it, when you have an affection for it. And it doesn't even say if you have less affection than for the Lord. It says if you love it at all, that will be a problem. So how do we use money as a tool? What is the purpose for wealth and money? And we look at, man, these, these godly ones in the scripture. Boy, some of them, they were rich off the chart. Job, for instance, man, he was the wealthiest. Not only was he the most godly guy of his day, he was the wealthiest. King David, a prophet, a type of the Messiah. Man, what a godly man. He had his problems, he repented. How many of you had problems and you repented? Right? You just send your brains out, and but the Lord, you know, jerked you up on it, and you repented. He, he restores. He brings us back, right? But man, he was one wealthy guy. Solomon. Man, what a smart guy. What a wealthy guy. So we find that many great people in the scripture, they learned the secret of how to manage their money. And I, I you ever heard Dave Ramsey? He's a Christian financial counseling guy. He says this, and I like this, what he says about money. He says, you either tell your money where it's going to go, or your money's going to tell you where it's going to go. And if you do not exercise authority over money and make it your slave, you will become its servant. And it will rule over you, it will master you. Because you will listen to what you love. And so the first step is to not love it, we don't have to avoid it, but while we're learning, that might be a good idea too, okay? So, discipleship, that Holy Spirit part, that H. I was really blessed to hear that as a congregation, you have been, for the last number of weeks or so, really focusing on the things of the Holy Spirit, and part of the reason that I'm here with you is probably for the last 20 years specifically, it has been a great concern of mine that there is a whole generation of Christians where it has fallen out of vogue, fallen out of popularity to know anything about the Holy Spirit. And one of the things I want to say this morning, I think is probably the most important thing that could possibly be said, is we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. We are Trinitarian. We have that in common. Not, not everybody is convinced of that, and I think sadly so. But we are. And as we are, and as we know that that is the truth, it also means that Jesus, God the Son, is no less God than the Father. He is fully God. And God the Holy Spirit is no less God than God the Father and God the Son. And just as worthy of our worship and our affection and our commitment, and we, just like we need to have a relationship with Jesus to enter into the kingdom, once we get there, Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to Father God except through me. So to know Him, and there's a lot of believers, they know Jesus, but they don't, 
They don't know anything about Father God. And just as many believers don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, who is God. But Holy Spirit is no less God than the Father and the Son. He is fully God, just like those other two persons of the Godhead. And so I was really blessed to hear that as a congregation, this is something that you all have been focusing on for the last little while. And the invitation came to me, kind of a timing thing, uh, where tonight when we spend some time together, I'm going to tell you some just some, some fun stuff, some of the adventures that I have been on with the Lord where the Holy Spirit has been so prominent in what has unfolded. To, to have watched the things that he has done in other people's life as they have encountered the presence of, of, of the Holy Spirit and heard the gospel message. And some of it is you know from people who have been resistant and witches who have stood in the way of the gospel message, how the Holy Spirit has dealt with that in different ways. The Holy Spirit is alive and well in the church of Jesus Christ. And we have this wonderful privilege of not just knowing about him, but knowing him intimately, just like we know Jesus intimately, and just like we can know the Father intimately as his sons and daughters. The Bible says that Jesus is like our older brother in the faith. Oh, he's our Lord, he's our master, he's God, and we don't treat him with familiarity. But relationally, he is our older brother who has gone before us and made a way for us to know Heavenly Father. And Heavenly Father sees us as his sons and daughters. He doesn't see us as his, his peasants, his, his, uh, his servants. We, we, we know that, that we want to serve him with all our heart, just like, just like a kid, you know, when, when, when it's his parents' birthday. The kids might get together and say, we want to we cook breakfast and give mommy breakfast in bed. She makes us breakfast every morning. We want to serve her. It's in the heart of every son and daughter to serve mom and dad. But that's not who we are to him. When, when I bring breakfast in bed to my mom or dad, they're not thinking, oh, the servants sure did a good job today. Boy, their heart is touched and they probably fight back tears thinking, oh, my son and daughter, they love me this much. How sweet. It's an expression of love, not an expression of obligation or servitude, right? So as sons and daughters, we use serving as an expression of affection. But his relationship with us, father's relationship with us, as his dear sons and daughters. And I'm in the stage of life now where I'm a grandpa. I've got seven grandkids. And uh, before I flew out of Portland, Maine to, to fly into Rochester, I had to get up at like 2.30 in the morning to catch my ride to the airport. It was a 5.30 flight. You're supposed to get there two hours early and all that mumbo-jumbo. And so I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to get to bed early so I'm not, not too exhausted when I get there. And then I thought, ah, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be gone for a week. And all my, my, both my son and my daughter and my grandkids, they all live close. And so they thought, man, we're going to hang out with Grandpa in the evening. So it was, a, it was like a, a total wrestling match. It was close to a slow. No one spent the night, but it was late. And, but I wouldn't want to do anything else, even though I was exhausted the next day. It just thrills my heart as a parent or as a grandparent to have that fun, close contact, wrestling, talking. Grandpa, look at this, you know. And it's like, 
it's you know they're drawing stuff with crayons and it's not even good you know they, they range from 10 to 2 and uh, some of it's kind of pretty and some of it's just scribbles but when they share it and they give it to me it was my birthday Thursday so they wanted to make me birthday card stuff you know and thanks thanks well all together Happy now I feel welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, they want... I showed up exhausted. Uh, I got like two, three hours of sleep, which sometimes if you only get two or three hours, it's better not to even go to bed, right? You just wreck. <laughs> but as a dad, as a grandpa, man, it, it wasn't like the Minions or... You know, Hallmark made me some cards, you know, some employees. It was my grandkids. Oh, man, that's that's the best. That's the way Heavenly Father feels about us. We're like his grandkids. If that, if that helps you make it more tender, right? Jesus, he, he, he loves us. He's our Lord. He's our master, yeah. But he's our elder brother. He has family affection for us. Holy Spirit, well, he's with us to help us, to... To, to, to nurture us, to encourage us, to, to comfort us. Uh, the Apostle Paul says to one of the letters of one of the churches, he says, like a mother hen would, would gather the chicks under its wings, so I wanted to gather you close. And we find that, that Holy Spirit kind of affection and comfort in this father in the faith, you know, uh, that's how Holy Spirit is with us. He wants to walk closely and gently and, and warmly with us. He's the one that warms our hearts, right? Have you ever sat somewhere and you just felt the presence of the Lord and you felt a smile come to your face and kind of oddly enough, tears come to your eyes at the same time that you're kind of smiling. and You're feeling this joy that is so overwhelming, so... Some people describe it like, man, I just felt like warmth or... Uh, it felt like honey all over me. And it's, you know, like there was a sweetness to it. That's his presence. That, that's Holy Spirit. And he is alive and well in the church of Jesus. He's with us right now, right? That, that's how Jesus is with us. Jesus physically right now is seated at the right hand of the Father. But how is he with us now? He's with us through that agency, that authority of the Holy Spirit. And we can sense his presence. There's times someone will sing a song you know like when our when you, is it your son who was the keyboard player and let out a song during that 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 one song man i just felt the presence of jesus that's really the holy spirit who i was just feeling just wow that was just so sweet there's something about you know when you hear a young person step out like that and, and just nail it and you think oh man that was wonderful wow sometimes we just think on what communion means. You know, we, we receive the bread and the juice and, or a grape. And, uh, you know, as we, as we eat that, we're just overcome by our thoughts of how good God has been to us. Man, what he delivered us out of. I just, man, I was 17. I was, I was a drug addict, an alcoholic. I was caught in practically everything imaginable. Grew up outside of Detroit, you know, a rough area, full of, you know, judgment and prejudice. Man, my heart was black. And out of that, 
I sensed the Lord one day, just in the privacy of my room, just calling my name. And I found myself saying, everything I've heard about Jesus in Sunday school is real. And I have to choose who I'm going to live for. That just, the word just came out of my mouth. Or the thoughts of my heart just went to the Lord. And I got goosebumps right now. Every time I just say that, and I think about it, I remember it. Sometimes when we remember what Jesus did for us, we just, that's the Holy Spirit manifesting his presence. He is ever <coughs> present in us and with us. And he loves us so much. Amen. The Holy Spirit is no less God than the Father or the Son. And He is to be appreciated, to be worshipped, to be known, for us to know Him, and for us to open our hearts that we might be known by Him. There's a scripture that's really interesting, Galatians chapter 4, verse 9, if you want to write it down. Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Galatians and he's talking to them, since you have come to faith or since you have known the Lord. And then he stops in mid-sentence and he corrects himself. And he says, no, rather since you have been, become known by God. In other words, we think, we think we're the initiators of the, of the relationship. You know, I was, I was in my problems and I was looking for answers and I found Jesus. No, that's not how it works. All of heaven is chasing after the hearts of men and women. Holy Spirit. Uh, the old time believers used to call the Holy Spirit the hound of heaven. Like a hound dog on the trail of something that it is hunting. Uh, relentlessly tracking after in pursuit of the object of its pursuit. <clears throat> Holy Spirit has been pursuing you and me every day of our lives. And then one day, in a moment of us, in our weakness, our frustration, whatever it might have been, He caught up with us and captured our heart. He is faithful. He is God the Holy Spirit who looks for us, finds us, warms our hearts, orchestrates the events of our lives so that one day in a moment of weakness we say we throw our hands in the air and say I just can't do this anymore I just need the Lord and there he is not because we said I need the Lord but because he's been chasing us all along he just loves us that much Holy Spirit so part of our discipleship is understanding him knowing him being known by him and just like Adam even the garden our tendency is to hide ourselves from God himself from Holy Spirit who's God and we think you know I can't really be honest and confess my faults or my weaknesses to someone else certainly not God either because I'm not sure what he would do and here's this one who fashioned us, created us, loved us from the time we were made, has a plan for our lives, and we don't want to be known by Him. But the Holy Spirit, I really believe, is saying to us in this season of our, of our lives, not only do I want you to know me, I want you to let me know all of you. 
You know, we can we can we can even trick ourselves into thinking we've got secrets from God, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, well, it's not that big a deal, you know, or well, I don't want to talk about it. Well, Holy Spirit wants to know us, just like in a wonderful marriage relationship. I don't want to have a shallow relationship with Holy Spirit. I want to have a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit. And just in closing, let me just, I, I don't have the reference for you, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what the scripture says. There's one that I think really speaks to where we are right now in what I'm saying. Because there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, deep calls to deep. That, that's speaking of God the Holy Spirit. Uh, who can plumb the depths of God? Who can, who can, who can ever discover the deepest part of his heart. I mean, he's so vast, he's so wonderful, he's so he's so much that. It, 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 we, will, we will live in heaven for eternity. And every moment in heaven we look to God, he could show us something new about himself. And throughout eternity, showing us new things would never be exhausting. He is so grand, so wonderful. I want God the Holy Spirit to know the depths of my heart. So David, King David, you know, the psalmist, the prophet, he said, search my heart, O God, and see what lies in there. Show me, is there anything that I'm withholding, anything wicked or twisted, that I'm not identifying and freely yielding to you. I, he was pretty honest. And I, I think you'd be honest too, right? If I were to say, man, my heart is 100% clean as a whistle. I mean, it, it would probably cause you to smile and go, I don't think anyone's heart is really that clean. I've got stuff hidden in there. Sometimes I'll enter a season of my life and the Lord will put his finger on something and says, John, I want to deal with this motive of yours. And I'm thinking, what motive? And the Lord says, this motive. And I says, Lord, you got, you got to talk to me about that. I don't get it. And then he'll show me, and I'll think, oh my goodness, Lord, I am so sorry. That has been my opinion of this person, and I never realized it. Or this has been a judgment I made about you. Or this is, this is something I've held back from you because I've been disappointed. The history of my life has taught me not to be trusting, not to be open not to be transparent. And I haven't even opened up this little cupboard in my kitchen to you, Lord. It's been like this little secret cookie sheet tray drawer, you know, those little skinny ones. And whoever uses those, or that corner one with the shelf way in the back you can't even reach, you know? And, and the Lord says, I, I, I want to I dust that out. There's some cobwebs and critters in there. I want to I deal with that. I want you to be clean and know the joy of really being clean, clean, clean. So I say, yes, Lord, okay. And then I kind of know there's probably other places that I just haven't identified yet. But when he puts his finger and it touches it, says, I want to deal with this. That's his loving touch. That's his merciful touch. That's a gentle, kind comfort, right? That's the Holy Spirit. And to walk with him and to trust him more to grow in my relationship with him has been one of the great joys of my life. Relationships are important, amen? Our relationship with the Lord. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is, is important. So let's stand. I'm going to ask you to, if you will with me, just put our hands over our chests. And, you know, I think there are times when, uh, when we gather, uh, we want the Lord to know He's welcome. We want the Holy Spirit to know He's welcome. We even sing songs, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. I don't know if you ever sung that one, but it's a popular Christian song. And uh, on the one hand, that song, it blesses me. On the other hand, it kind of troubles me because the reality is when we gather, we are really answering His invitation to the party. Yet when we gather... And the party's going on, church, Sunday morning. Sometimes we think that we're inviting him. And I know our intention is to let him know that he's welcome. But really, he's invited us. And we're thankful for that. But then there's also the time where we can stand in the middle of the party that we've been invited to. You know, the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding feast, a party that a king threw for his sons. Uh, when we gather together, there's this feeling of celebrating. When we receive the Lord's, the, Lord's, uh, the Lord's table, we're remembering and celebrating. Jesus, what you did. Oh, you defeated the devil for my sake. Oh. You know, there's, there's a somberness, there's a remembrance, but there's a celebration to it as well. But then there's also the realization that, Lord, in the midst of the celebration, I can be holding myself back. Just like if you go to a big party and you know there's there's dancing and everyone's sharing a little something they remember, there's always some folks that say, "Man, eh, I don't want to embarrass myself," or, "Well, I don't want to say anything, you know, because what I have to say really isn't as maybe so important." And we hold part of ourselves back. I don't want to have a relationship with the Lord where I'm holding anything back, because really, the call to discipleship is to take up my cross daily and die. Die to all of my corrupt affections, all of my, die to the urge to keep the Lord out and to live my life by my own power. And I don't want to live my life by my own power, and I'm pretty convinced you don't either. But sometimes we just fall into these habits and then we hear a voice from heaven. We hear a prompting. Maybe we hear a sermon or a song or a little kid say something to us. And we say, well, Lord, I want you to touch that. And so in those cases, for us to make the invitation for, her to, for him to come in more deeply, more gently, more tenderly, that's very, very appropriate. So let's put our hand over our chest and if you would, if you trust me, and if you would like to say this with me, just feel free to voice this with me. Heavenly Father, Jesus, my Lord and Master, and Holy Spirit, God with us, I invite you, Holy Spirit, to come in more deeply, to show yourself more prominently, to lead me, to, lead me. To, guide me. to guide me, to interact with me more regularly. Where I've resisted you, I now yield to you. I now yield to you. you are God. You are God. 
You are not. And I am not. 